0: Hi, I'm Tina Spangler with TLC Burrows, and welcome to my podcast. Um, happy anniversary. I'm so excited. This is the two year anniversary of when I started this Facebook virtual coaching group, and it has been such a blessing. Um, I think what makes me most happy and proud of the group is that over half of the members, and we're at a hundred and 18 members in 22 states over half of them have been with me since the beginning so for two years and over half pay by the year the rest pay monthly and um, The fact that most people stay for several months, you know, the other half that aren't um, two-year members They stay for many many months and that makes me feel like there's value so um, it really is something that I am very proud of. Um, I've I've always done uh, slow motion video critiques and um, they used to be with a, a coaching app called Coach's Eye. And I did that for 10 years for anybody in Team TLC after they came for a clinic or a lesson or anything so that you could see what I see. Because a lot of times you can show people, you can tell people, but until they truly see it from your eye or your point of view in slow motion with a marker pin, um, and then they finally have that light bulb go off and say, oh, I didn't even realize I was looking at the barrel or lifting my hand or or um, pulling on my horse's head or, you know, just multiple different things, not sitting through my turns or whatever, um, but They have really come in handy. And I will say that I'm excited about um, continuing to grow the group in the sense that I want to make it new and not necessarily new, but improved all the time. Um, I'm always trying to, you know, add value to it. Um, We've done a lot of fun things over the last two years. There's a, a year's worth of challenges of skill and mindset in the members only page. There's a uh, two years worth of Q and um, A, a weekly podcast. There is uh, weekly videos put in the group for training tips, everything from groundwork to drills, dry work, barrel pattern, pull pattern, uh, mental game, and then of course, like I said, the video critiques, which uh, some members let me share theirs in the group for other people to learn from and celebrate. Um, it's been just so much fun and um, you know, there's other things we do a personal best drawing Monthly so that everybody's you know stays fired up about meeting a goal um, You know, it's just been a really really cool group and you know, I used to charge $20 for one video Review for people that were not a part of team TLC, but then I charged $10 for TLC members So For $15 a month, it's really a good value because you can have one or two videos per week now So um, and the neat thing is I have a new coaching app coach now um, That allows each athlete to have their own space their own library Where their videos are stored and it's a free thing for you, but I pay an annual fee and it's a it's a new app because my other app retired and It's really been cool it's been um, fun because I can go oh last time they were at this arena they clocked this or you know this is what I told them last time let's see if they did it this time so I can track your progress you can track your progress we don't have videos all over the place emails Facebook your your devices you know they're all in one easy place to track and uh, it's just more convenient. So anyways, I'm excited that I, I'm always trying to come up with new things to make it uh, better for you and whom um, I want to always have you want to stay in the group because you do find value, uh, whether it's a horse or, you know, I, I think what's probably most rewarding for me is I've watched 2D riders start winning consistently in the 1D. I've watched um, many people move up a division, 5D to 4D or 4D to 3D. I've seen people have light bulb moments with their rider's cues or something missing in their horse's foundation. Um, I've seen them have a positive mindset change, you know, where they're thinking a lot differently about things, you know. Um, And sometimes they need me just to be a cheerleader for you, you know, and when you're having A down day, because here's the deal with barrel racing, there's going to be failure, because winning doesn't just go straight line, up, up, you know, up, 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 better, 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 there's a lot of curves and valleys, and it's like a roller coaster, ups and downs and curves, and so you've got to not be hard on yourself when those, uh, what do we say, winning or learning, you know, you're not a failure if you, if you had a bad run, you just go back to the training pen and say, okay, what's going on? Is my horse sore? Did I make a mistake? You know, do we need to change something? You know, or is it just a one-time deal? Go to the next barrel shake it off, you know, that kind of stuff. So anyways, it's been a lot of fun. So I'm going to go ahead um, and get started with the group. I want to welcome some new members. We have uh, Jackie from Florida, Shelby from Texas, and I know there's a third one. Who's the third? Oh, uh, Marcel, Marcel from Florida. I guess I didn't write that down. Oh, well, I have those moments, but I welcome all three of you, Marcel, Jackie, and uh, Shelby. So congratulations to everybody who met a goal last week. Um, let's see here. The uh, the goal here is to, uh, this week we're going to focus on the topic of part two of Common Problems and TLC Solutions after I go through um, a few, I had like three or four questions to answer, not too many. And then um, personal best drawing for July was drawn. It goes to Connie in Oklahoma uh, for her and Jewel. And she chose the TLC books from Amazon. So I mailed those out to her. She should have those. And then, um, oh, by the way, I am redoing my books as well. I'm not, believe you, me, I am not a techie person. So the fact that I can work these apps and load a book onto Amazon is just amazing feat in itself. But I'm kind of not, my books were never designed to be, you know, what do you call it? Like a publisher's dream. My books were designed because people would ask me questions over and over and I just wanted to put it in one place so that they had a place to refer and they could take the book out to the arena. It was inexpensive, cheap little notebook that if it got rained on or dumped in the dirt, it was no big deal. So they're like 10 bucks on Amazon. It's not gonna be a a big problem if you left it out in the rain, you know, but but I like that they take the books with them. I like that they write in them. I even have a section where you draw the diagrams yourself because I'm truly a believer that writing things yourself makes it sink in deeper rather than just listening. Like if you take notes, you're gonna retain it better. So um, so anyways, I've redone my, uh, my record keeper. I've added some new pages to it. I've made more room because people were complaining there was nowhere to draw, not p- a lot of people, but a couple people were complaining there were so many on one page there wasn't any room to draw their pattern. So I put just two per page instead of three. So there's room to draw your pattern. And then there's a place in the back to have your vision board, your positivity board, uh, to write down your goals and um, your weekly or daily schedule, uh, to write down your pre pre run routine, um, you know your mindset, your mental game. So I just kind of wanted to make it special that way, um, you know. And then of course the first pages has a lot of really good stuff about being uh, mentally prepared for competition and and you know famous quotes and then you can write down your famous quotes too on your vision board. So anyhow, I hope I'm trying to make it a little bit better, a little bit thicker for the same price. Um so it's not the price isn't going up, but it just uh it gives you. And then I'm going back through my training notebook. You know, when I first made it, uh Melissa Greer published it for me, but she has a PhD and she changed it a lot. She put all these ABCs in there and it's just not me. So I went through and took all, I'm going through now and taking all that out. I just wanted to read like I talk. I don't I don't need it to be PhD grammar perfect. I, I don't want typing errors, but I don't necessarily need it broke down at A, you lift your hand, B, your inside leg, C. You know, I just want it to read like I talk. So I'm going through and kind of updating it a little bit. Things I noticed I forgot to say I'm adding, um, just little things like that. So, you know, it's funny when you make a book. Um, I think this book came out in 2008 was the original. Uh, and now we're at 2022. So, you know, it's just, you know, everybody gets better over time. You you learn how to communicate better as a teacher, um, as a coach. And so I go back through it and I read it and I'm like, oh. I could explain that better or blah, blah, blah. So that's what I'm working on. Summertime's a great time because you can only spend so much time outside before you can't breathe anymore and you overheat. So in the morning, I spend half a day outside and half a day inside um, working on the virtual coaching and my books and things like that. So, okay. So let's see here. The questions. Oh, before we do that, um, I, I wanted to um, mention I made a special podcast Um, it's a, you know, a little bit about horsemanship. Um, you know, it's about, um, you know, listening to horses. What is horsemanship? It's a relationship between a horse and a a person. Horsemanship. So relationship between a horse and a man or a horse and a woman. And, um, and I really feel like horses, you know, do better when they feel like they've been heard, um, or felt, or seen just like we are. It's nice to know someone gets you, that they're listening to you. So that's why, you know, I talk about how you greet them, saying hello, meeting them where they're at, um, looking at four things every time you're working with your horse emotionally, where you're at, emotionally, where they're at, emotionally, where you're at together. And then, of course, um, what might be causing the actual issue. So, but most things can be fixed by just slowing down and having a positive patient attitude. Um, And that can be said with anything from trailer loading, alley issues, pattern problems, going back to basics and just breaking it down into pieces. Um, You know, it's like if you're sacking a horse out and they're afraid of a, 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 let's say they're afraid of a slicker. So you don't start with the slicker, you start with a brush you know, let's say you can present a brush to their shoulder. You can present a, a bag to their shoulder. You know, just slowly build up for things, um, you know, your hand first, then the brush, then the, the rag, then the towel, then the, you know, the bag or, you know, and then finally get to whatever it is, the slicker, fold it up, move it and take it away. You know, things like that. You just don't go. It's like when you're trying to teach a horse to let you touch their ears. You don't just grab their ear. You just kind of go near the ear and be done with it, and wait, and then go by it again and be done with it until the horse just gets so used to your hand swooping by that they don't react anymore, and eventually they'll start letting you actually touch the ears. So it just takes time. Everything, if you have patience and slow down, you will get to that point with a with a horse. Um, you know, Briscoe was my horse that was wild child. You know, she she came from. Uh, Texas, you know, I think I told this story last week, so I won't tell it again, but um, You know some horses are just not trusting and it takes longer to get their trust and that should be your goal when you're training horses um, To build a relationship based on respect and trust and communication of cues um, My relationships are all based on love because I love the horse before I love the competition, you know um, and I also um I feel as though it's just easier to build a confident, calm horse than f- repair a broken horse that's been damaged by people. You know, so often you see horses that people make lots of excuses for, and they're usually horses with people problems, whether it was their colt starting or a wreck that a person put them in, or you know something like that. So, so I really do feel like. Um, For me, it's easier to take a young horse that's never been handled than a a horse that's had bad humans and you get, you know, you have to undo all of that. You know, it takes so much longer. So, anyways, let's go on to the questions. Um, Also, congratulations. There was a whole lot of personal bests um, for the month of August. We're only, what, nine days in and we already have seven personal bests. So, that's awesome. And i am still working on videos so i've got like i did like 20 and i have like 10 to go so um so that's awesome and um let's see here the uh first question is patterning a horse um schedule what's the best way when you're teaching a pattern um first of all this should be after their basics are solid um you know basics are very important um, you can go through the training notebook that everyone got when they signed up in an email, and make sure all your basics are solid. And then, when I do take a horse to the pattern, I'll probably ride a horse that's learning four or five days a week, 30 to 45 minutes minimum. Um, I'm gonna do half of their warm up, you know, or half of their ride on their basics. So I'm gonna do some face flexing, some transitions, um, you know, in straight lines and circles. I'm gonna do some stopping, some backing. I'm going to do some, you know, pilot to co pilots Can I move the shoulder? Can I move the hip? You know, I'm going to make sure I can soften the rib. I'm going to make sure I've got some pretty circles going, um, things like that. Then I'm going to do the other half on the pattern and um, mainly in sets of three, but I'll quit on a one or two if I'm happy. Um, The other thing is um, on the first or second try if I'm happy with it, but I'll usually walk one and then I'll post trot two or three and whenever I post trot I always transition so on my straightaways I'm posting but about two strides before the barrel I sit jog and I want them to rate off my body and maybe my voice if I say easy when I sit deep they should rate down if they don't I can always back it up with my hands with a light two-hand check and if they don't slow down I'm going to stop them back them up um I want them to respond to my body and then um the next thing is is Uh, After I do my post-trot sit-jogs, I'm always, always riding a perfect pattern, you guys. I'm going to walk it exactly as I plan to run it one day. I'm going to trot it exactly as I plan to lope it. I'm going to lope it exactly as I plan to run it. So I I line up with third. I look at my arc. I go up the middle a long way if it's a long ways to the first barrel. uh, Or I'll go, you know, just one or two strides up the middle and then to my arc if it's a shorter score. Um, So, you know, that's going to vary. But I'm always looking between my horse's ears. I'm always riding my spots. So again when I'm in the alley area or launch pad area I'm thinking where's third? Where's my arc? Then I'm thinking go to my arc. Then I'm thinking spot one or straighter longer. If I have a really steady horse, I'll look five feet past the barrel too Um, And then I look, once I know I've got each of those spots, I'm always a quarter ahead. So when I get to my arc, it's spot one. When I get to my spot one, it's spot two. When I get to spot two, it's spot three. Um, And then I look up for my next barrel and continue to do the same thing. Spot one, spot two, spot three. Spot one, spot two, spot three. So as long as I do that, look between my horse's ears, ride mainly with my eyes and my body. I can back it up with hands and legs. uh, My voice, Um, all is good. So um, I always want to reach down and pet my horse and reward them when they're working good So I hope that's helpful for you, but that's how I would do it. Um A you know one day can be a trail ride day. It's always good to get a horse out of the arena and to uh and Just have a brain day off, you know relaxing day just to see different scenery. It's good for them. It's good for you um, but yeah four or five of those rides i when I'm teaching a horse a pattern i'm gonna spend it on the pattern And I might do that for 30 or 60 days and then I might just back off and go do other things after that um, or start hauling them for exposure and exhibitions slow or whatever. So, but don't go faster exhibitions at a barrel race than you do at home. And matter of fact, you can even go slower, go the pace that they're calm and focused. Um, and again, don't go faster at home in your training until they've mastered the current speed. Um, as far as when you're ready to lope, I never lope the barrels so I can lope a one handed D pattern, um, or, or single barrel one handed. I want to know that my horse can turn a small circle with speed control and balance. Um, and by small, I mean maybe five to 10 foot in there, somewhere in there. Um, it depends on the horse's, you know, size and stride and all of that. But I want to make sure that they're they're balanced and and all of that before I do. And then I may go ahead and get my I always want my correct lead going to first. So I'll get my lead, whether it's in a circle or a straight line, and then I'll go to first. If I lope around it, I'll break to a trot and then lope out. Um the first ride out, I break to a trot that ask for the next, you know, lead, and then I'll stay on a lope for second and third barrel. So um, so if I go to the right barrel first, I'll lope around it on the right lead and then my first stride out I'd tell him whoa and break to a trot pick up left lead and then lope Second and third on the left lead. So that's how I would do that. And uh, I promise you speed will come with confidence um, You know, you don't have to feel like you have to add the speed until you're consistent Once a horse has consistency, they'll start to know where to place their feet They'll have more balance and then pretty soon um You know, you're doing less, they're doing more. You should not ever be pulling on a horse in a turn. They should be rating off your body, turning off your body. It's okay to have a little bump here or there, maybe to start a turn or finish a turn or for a rate, but not pulling ever. If you are, we have a problem. If your horse is head and neck turning the barrel, but their shoulder and hips floating away, that's because they're not turning on their own and they're not turning off your body. You're doing too much with your hands. Um, So keep that in mind. Next question was about, um, do you think it's important to rest before a super show or go to jackpots before a super show? Um, Well, I think honestly, it's a, um, you got to know your horse. Some horses do better and some riders and horses do better if they get one or two timing runs in before a competition so that they've got that uh, timing and position with speed. Um, It gives you more confidence. It also has you more race fit and your timing for speed is better. Um, But you have to be careful because you don't want to soar a horse either. So I wouldn't run just anywhere if you didn't know if the ground was safe. Um, I would want to run somewhere that's going to be similar to the pin that I'm going to be going to if at all possible. Like why go to a huge outdoor 18 second pattern if you're going to be running a 14 second building? You know, that's kind of apples and oranges. It's not going to help your timing you know, or anything like that, Um, unless you're just trying to free a horse up, but the buildings are gonna make them more scotchy, so your timing is going to be different anyway. So so I really do think um, that it can take, you know, three or more runs for some horses to get more racing fit, Um, but it needs to be pins that are similar in order to really help you with timing and position. Um, But I think you have to just be careful and know your horse. You don't want them sore by any means, um, and you should always be prepared. Make sure you check them for soundness, all of that. If you know you've got big stuff coming up, get that done well in advance. Don't do anything that might cause you a problem at the big show, like don't shoe them right before or trim them right before. Maybe don't vaccinate them or deworm them right before. Anything that could cause them not to feel their best, um, you can always do that afterwards. You know, God forbid a fair trims them a little short and they just don't want to run, you know. Um, those kind of things. So um, the next question was about if a horse is really strong leaving the barrels, how do I stay with them? Um, The thing with getting older or the thing with having desk jobs and versus working, you know, on a farm or riding multiple horses a day, you don't have the muscles sometimes to ride these athletes. So you have to find a happy fine line of how much muscle work you do so if your horse is really strong leaving the barrel and you're pulling up on the horn but still getting, you know, whiplash, that might be a time to start adding some small weights, hand weights and do those a few reps each day to build your arm muscles. Um you could also do resistance um, you know, bands and you know, you really have to be an athlete to ride these horses in the higher levels. So to be strong and fit and go with their power um know out of the turns, but also stick with them when they're really snappy in the turns you know Um, you don't want to be left behind and you certainly don't want to be thrown over the handlebars so pay attention if you've got a good strong core you need to be able to sit and and through a turn and squeeze with your seat and your legs to drive your horse and not be trying to be over their withers topside because that can certainly leave you behind if you do that so so those things are important as well so those are my main questions, and um, just checking my notes here. I'm going to go ahead and get into the uh, where we left off. I believe we left off on alleyways. Um, I do have a podcast that talks a lot about alleyway. Um, so it definitely, if you have a horse um, with alleyway issue, I don't remember if I said everything on that, but it can start with rider's nerves. So learn to meditate and center and breathe and calm yourself down. Treat it like a practice. Sing a song. Whatever you got to do to keep yourself calm, because your horse has to know that it's okay. Um, and then, as a if a horse is just really nervous, you may have to spend more time hauling them and gating them and just doing things that help them stay calm. Or maybe you know you've got a horse that you just stay away from the alleyway till it's time. Keep them calm and quiet, and then just walk up and go make your run when it's you know one drag out or something. Um, again, you have to kind of customize it to a horse's needs. The other thing is pain. Um, you know, a horse can get alley issues if their back hurts, their hocks hurt, their feet hurt. Um, they have an ulcer, bleeding lungs. You know, hind hind gut ulcers. There's a lot of things that can cause a horse to not want to go in the alleyway. So it can't just be one thing. Um, so that's why it's important to know your horse, to have routine uh, exams with your veterinarian. Um, if you suspect anything's wrong, also just preventative once or twice a year, depending on how hard you're going up and down the road. Just remember if something happens once, maybe you should take it off. If it happens twice, pay attention because you might have a bad habit developing. If it happens three times, you need to quit and figure it out because a horse is gonna whisper their problems then they're gonna talk and then they're gonna start screaming there's a problem. If you don't pay attention when they're talking to you quietly, um, it could be really detrimental by the time you listen when they're screaming. So, definitely pay attention to the subtle things in your horse. Um, uh, kids can make horses' kiditis in the alleyway too. So, it's important that you know how to approach an alleyway with respect. Um, you know, looking between their ears, looking up, being calm and confident. Maybe looking at a certain area or maybe even doing some face flexing or leg laterals on your way to the alley, keeping them focused on a cue. Um, those things are good. Alley issues can also happen if a horse feels overpressured um, or if you put them, you know, in competition before they're ready. It's like taking an elementary school kid and putting them in college. They're going to feel overwhelmed and not want to do it. So, um, so anyways, the things to fix it may require hauling and just scoring and not entering and gating on every drag um, You know, it's there's a lot of little things um, You can also make the wrong thing difficult the right thing easy meaning work some circles outside the arena and only rest in the alleyway <clears throat> You can you know go and just do a slow exhibition go home and leave them thinking well that wasn't too bad Um, you know, there's a lot of things you have to maybe think outside of the box, um, definitely don't mess around in the alleyway, don't hang in their face, um, keep forward motion, walk, trot, lope, go, um, have a game plan, don't dink around, you know, you know, a lot of times we cause a problem because we dink around, so, um, that's something to consider as well, but, but certainly know your horses um, Those are the main reasons why a horse can get alley sour. The next thing I want to talk about is when the face overbends and the hind end swings That certainly um, is what I call rubbernecking and butt swinging and what that can certainly be caused because a rider is using too much inside rein and um, They need to maybe put their hand more in the center of their rein and use a little bit more outside leg and um, This type of horse, it will require more rider cues um, to help that horse balance, so they may need two-hand riding more for balance rein, or like I said, keeping your hand more in the center of the rein when you are riding one-handed. You may need to keep weight in your outside stirrup. You may need to look between the ears. You need to use more outside leg um, and bringing your hand back instead of laterally bending your horse. Um, You also have to pay attention that you're not pulling on them in a turn. So start working on perfect circles. A perfect circle is not nose cranked to the inside. A perfect circle is where you barely see an eye to the inside, you feel the shoulders up a little, you feel the ribs out a little, you feel the hip in a little, the pivot foot under, and the horse is four wheel drive. They're reaching with their shoulders, they're pushing with their hips, and it's a perfect circle. Um, You know, kind of like a little half moon. And learn to do perfect circles All sizes all speeds and um, until they're effortless and then it will improve your performance on a barrel you can do single barrel that's a good one Um, that's important so you know you may have to uh, you know you may have to really use scissor legs on a horse like this maybe an inside leg front cinch outside leg back cinch you may have to use quick bumps to keep them balanced Um, Holding the inside rein can cause a horse to over bend their face and swing their butt. Uh, Riding from the waist up instead of the waist down can cause it. Um, So that would be what I would work on there. Um, The goal is for you to do less over time though. We don't want to have to keep two hands on the reins always. Um, If you always practice two hands, if you do the barrels two hands, you're never going to get where you can go to the horn because they're too dependent on your outside rein. So that's definitely something you want to work on. The next one is ducking off a barrel or breaking the pattern. Mm. This is something that happens pretty rare, but it can be a very serious problem. If it happens once, I would analyze my photos and my videos and just say, okay, did something weird happen? Maybe I pulled on my horse when I shouldn't have checked them down for rate too hard. It scared them, they went up the fence. Or maybe they got scared of something maybe there's something in the stands the bucking shoots you know maybe something rattled them before their run but i have to think about the situation maybe it was a white barrel on a white fence and it was a depth perception thing if if or maybe i just looked in and lifted too soon and communicated to turn too soon that can happen too so um if it happens once i probably just go slow at my next jackpot make sure i had a clean run That would be my only goal Um, but there's things that can happen you know people can be moving behind a fence or kids be jumping up and down in the stands I mean you just don't know what might catch a horse but if it happens twice um, it's time to think seriously about what's happening is it a rider cue is my horse hurting somewhere so that would be something I'd probably have a vet check them make sure the saddle is not pinching them um, I'd get a lesson or something, show my video to my coach and make sure that I haven't. Um, you know, get the video literally going to the barrel you're ducking so that the, they can see your face and your hands. Maybe you're looking in and picking your hand up too soon. Um, some horses are just super sensitive that way. Um, sometimes you can be asking for speed too soon before they're ready. Again, you can be pressuring them before they're ready and they don't want to do it. Um, but those are all things that you want to consider. Um, hitting a barrel leaving, that's the next thing I want to talk about. People often say, oh, my horse is just really working. That's true, but I find that horses that hit barrels are often rollback horses that don't stay in four-wheel drive. So um, if your horse is working awesome and in, in hitting your spots going in, spot one and spot two, but hitting the barrel leaving, it's probably because you're not focusing on spot three. Sometimes you have to kick them with your inside leg, even in the back cinch area, all the way around the barrel to keep them moving four-wheel drive. You need to look at spot three, you know, look three to five feet to the side of the barrel, at spot one, the entrance, spot two, the backside, spot three, the exit. Drive with your feet, hands low and forward, looking at your circle around the barrel. Because if you were to look up, and this happens at second barrel a lot, we get between spot two and three, we look up, so the horse pivots before they've cleared their hip on the barrel, and that's why they catch it. It will happen leaving second and third sometimes too, because you pivot when their horse's hips at spot two instead of your pivot spot, which happens between spot two and three on first and third barrels. On second barrel, you don't pivot until spot three, the exit, because it's a full turn. So that's often why barrels are hit, if that is a case, um, for a tune-up on something like that, um, you can do all lefts, all rights, uh, funnel barrels, um, anything that, you know, is getting you a circle and a half all the way around. I love all lefts, all rights. I love circles and true turns, uh, figure eights with, you know, doing a couple circles and then finish with a true turn. But stay away from the true turns if you're on a rollback horse and just really focus on fluid circles. So I really like the all lefts, all rights. Or single barrel for that kind of horse I'd stay away from uh, the D pattern or uh, true turns I do more circle work um, things like that because this horse needs to have perfect circles around a barrel and flex and fluidity not stiff and sticky okay and then the next one is no fire or run between the barrels Um, you know it's funny I've ridden barrel horses that came off the racetrack and they were already taught how to run but then i've had horses that i've trained myself and they weren't taught to run so that's something we forget that we need to do so the way i like to teach a horse to run once i know that they are safe and, and their foundation is good i like to use my arena because barrel horses are not race horses like thoroughbreds where they're going to run a mile they just need to be able to go short distances you know 100 feet sprint is plenty you know rarely would you ever run a pattern that's over 90 feet but then of course from third to the home the timer can sometimes be 100 or 150 feet somewhere in there so so what I like to do if let's say my arena is 100 by you know 80 or or maybe it's 300 by 200 I am going to lope the short sides and sprint the length and when I give a sprint cue I'm going to hold the saddle horn with one hand and I'm going to put my rein hand towards their ears and if they don't just fire from my energy, I might smooch. I'm certainly not going to want to kick because I want my horses to run just off my energy, ring hand forward, smooch if I need to. But I always know my horses love that drill. And I would do that to put the fun back in the run because sometimes horses quit firing because they're like, what's the point? I've got to turn right here anyway. So by letting them have a little fun in a safe arena, not necessarily... Um, a pasture because you have to worry about, you know, holes or or you know you don't want your horse to hurt themselves. I don't think you need to go to a racetrack because there's no sense in sprinting 300 feet, um, and you know you don't want to cause an issue that you don't need, um, or you know you don't need to sprint a whole track and cause any muscle issues or or um, lung issues or anything like that. But just using an arena and um, working wall to wall. Like I said, you can lope the short side, sprint the lengths, um, and it makes it fun for the horses. You can do one time each way. Just be careful right now in the heat of the summer uh, on those kind of decisions. Um, But that will often put the fun in the run back in a horse. Um, But you can also uh, do the wall to wall drill, which I like to do, or fence to fence drill. So I'll have the barrel pattern set, but I will work. Literally, I'll go like I'm going to first barrel, but I'm going to go all the way to the fence, stop when their nose is at the fence, roll back, go towards second, stop when their nose is at the fence, roll back, go towards third, and then stop when they're about 20 feet past third, roll back away, then go back to the alley again. And then I might do it, you know, if I did that at a trot, I might do it at a lope next. So I'm just trying to take the mind off the barrel and think, hey go to the fence until i say you know stop so that takes their mind off turning and frees them up a little bit too um and then just remember when you're leaving the barrel you can start when you're in a pattern and competition as soon as you get on the back side you can when you look up and you know they've already committed to the rate and the turn and they're at their pivot spot that's when you want to start smooching rain hand forward outside leg and really get that drive out just pulling up on the horn reins to the ears and driving they're going to start hustling out for you Um, you can also teach that in training you can walk around the barrel trot out and just you know get on the backside and don't overdo this because you can make them hot but go easy in easy around but then smooch to them to leave and whatever speed they go out if they trot or lope that's fine let them and then just bring them back to you before the next barrel slow them back down to a walk or a jog collected and calm Going in and around but then let them fire out and that will teach them easy in hurry out again Anything can be overdone. You don't want to make a horse crazy um, But a couple of times might be just all they need to know hey I need you easy in hurry out and that's how I train my barrel horses I want them to think breathe and relax going in and have fun and run out So I don't want my horses ever feeling stressed going into a term or stalling or lazy coming out of a term Um, Let's see here. I've been talking a while already. I'm going to try to get through this, though. Um, Third barrel slicing um, in or blowing out. Third barrel um, is usually a longer distance than second barrel. You may need to rate it earlier than second, but the good thing is it's only a half a turn. There's no lead change. It's also a barrel that you can make some time up on if you have snappy turns. A common mistake here is blowing off the barrel and not finishing it. It's usually caused by a lack of pocket going in, starting the turn too soon, or rating it too late, um, slicing it going in, which is kind of like no pocket going in, or you get in a hurry when you're on the backside and you just want to run home. So you and the horse are up double kicking before you finish with your inside hip to snap out. So you have to snap before you hustle and sadly I see a lot of people get to spot two and then start Driving and the horse goes wide and doesn't finish so make sure you get the snap and then get the drive so that's important as well Um, Make sure you hit your spot one and two three to five feet spot one and spot two if you don't if you start the turn too soon Or too late that's gonna mess up the turn too so it is important if you have a free runner you may have to start asking for the rate sooner um, you know, maybe four strides out, you back off and you say, Whoa. And maybe three strides out, you two hand bump and say, Whoa. And then maybe go to the horn and do a little inside bump and say, Here. Um, so if you're on a push horse, you may have to sit up longer and maybe only sit down one stride from the barrel and then go to the horn. Make sure you look at spot one and two, look up for home, and then get that snap out. So it is important um, that we know our horses. Uh, we need to be able to use our inside leg to bend the rib cage and guide the nose. Um, we need to know that when we use our inside hip and our outside leg, our horse understand that means to straighten up those shoulders and square up to snap out. Um, those kind of things. We definitely want to keep the idea of rate and relax and smooth in the turns and hurry out. Those are going to always be your faster, faster runs. All right, no woe going home. This one's a dangerous one. I've seen a horse once that would speed up after the timer and run like crazy out into the trailers. very dangerous. Um, I've seen horses falling, coming out of alleyways into the grass when riders turn them off. You've got to be careful. When you turn that third barrel um, and you pulled up on the horn and you're driving them out, you can get back to two hands into the jockey position. Um, Your legs should always uh, you know hang even down from your hips um, You don't want to be leaning sideways or looking down you need to look where you want your horse to go by having two hands on the range You'll keep them from darting left or right um, and, and keep them more balanced know where the timers are So if your hips and shoulders are a little bit forward and you're encouraging them um, to go to run home um, You may have a whip if you have a whip you can whip and stride with your horse um, some horses do better without it. Some do better if you tap them on the shoulder. Some do better if you just go two hands and smooch. So you again need to know your horrors. Um, don't let your adrenaline make you over whip them. Like sometimes whipping them too much can be slow them down and kind of defeat the point of of what you're trying to accomplish. You know you're trying to encourage them not you know whip them to discipline them. Um, but know where the timer is so that you can make sure you got all the way to it. And then sit and, and start preparing sit down and say whoa and bump if um, they don't listen um, In you're gonna have to go back to a training pin You may have to donate and, and enter some barrel races Where you turn their barrel and just shut them down and bring them back to you and make sure they're stopping and backing up before you exit the arena um, Those are really dangerous things the most dangerous part of barrel racing is the uh, end of the barrel race because if the horse, if they close the gate and a horse doesn't stop, you can be thrown over their head. Um, horses can slip in a parking lot or or a pasture. Um, so we have to have controlled speed, uh, educated horse at all times. Horsemanship should always come first. Um, so if you don't have a woe, you may need to go to a leverage bit and work on that. You know, like a correction bit, and say you know whoa means woe. But don't ever just pull hard on a horse. Always pump your brakes. Give and take. Give and take. Um, sit down um but you know necessarily not necessarily a tie down or a bigger bits gonna teach them it has to be um it has to be a bit more knowledge you really do have to educate these horses that they need to stop so what i like to do is i'll i'll actually work on that as well i'll work on my woe off that third barrel so every time i come home i stop and back up stop and back up i get that woe from the beginning on a horse So make sure you ask with your seat first, then your voice, and then your reins give and take last if they don't respond. Ideally, we want them to woe off body and voice if they don't back them up. All right, the next one is preparing your timing in competition runs, um, or perfecting, sorry. Perfecting your timing uh, while saving and respecting your horse as a professional athlete. That's really important. you know, with my horses, I had low mileage on them. I, I would, you know, try, you know, on a, on a this example was in 2013. Um, Briscoe had been to 10 barrel races and won six checks. Bell had been to nine barrel races and won six checks. Little Sister had been to 11 barrel races and won seven checks. I believe in low miles. I also believe in, um, God willing, my horses will last many years that way. Um, I prepare them physically and mentally to do their job. I ride them a minimum of three or four days uh, a week, um, you know, to keep them in shape and physically. Um, but I, I do a lot of trail riding. I don't do pasture rides. I, I mean, I do all that stuff. I don't do a lot of um, barrel work. I do maybe one week, one day a week in the arena doing a drill. Um, but I do a lot of pasture rides. Um, I pick and choose my arenas I think that they'll do well with because I like to win a check. Um, it helps pay the bills. Um, I don't like to waste runs, so I don't run at home or, I, or exhibitions or anything like that. I would just do um, slow work, walk or trot the pattern if I need a tune-up. Um, I try to find ways to increase my ability to have perfect time and speed and the way that I do that is through drills because that to me builds teamwork and doesn't bore the horse on the pattern so um I think it's something that is nice to, a nice change for the open horse. I do think the novice horse or the futurity colt, the horse in training for the pattern has to spend time on the pattern. That's how horses learn. Is repetition and consistency, but they learn the most at a trot. So you don't need to lope the barrels a lot. You know, you want to always start and finish with a walk though. That's important to keep their mind calm. Um that's the main step that I think is important. Um, I think you just have to learn to visualize as well. Learn to ride off of feel and muscle memory and that's going to improve your timing and give you confidence as well. Um, I know some people want to go every week for themselves but you might just very well wear your horse out a lot faster. Um, So my horses ran two or three times a week, I'm sorry a week, two or three times a month. very rarely you know we maybe did three super shows a year where they do two two or three runs in a week and um but that was very rare but two or three runs a month was the average so they had like 40 runs at the end of the year on average um so so i honestly think all athletes have an expiration date you know it's no different in professional football or basketball same with barrel horses that you will eventually break down physically and you won't be able to compete at your top level anymore. Same with humans, same with horses. So pick your runs carefully and give your horse the best conditioning and care you can. So let's see here. Uh, Shaving off that last half second from the 2D to the 1D. The difference sometimes between 2D and 1D can just be fire with tight turns, you know, running and rimming. But change one thing at a time, maybe a little more sin can sometimes be enough to shave off that last few tenths, a little more send from the alley or a little bit more send out of your turns um, to get that little bit extra fire to have a little bit more momentum through the whole run. Consider if you have a horse that is such an athlete that they can rate and pivot in the same spot will shave time as well. Um, They have to be a natural barrel hunter, a horse that can rate and pivot at each barrel, maybe when your leg gets the barrel um, that's going to cut off one more stride of rate. Most horses are going to rate one stride before the barrel, one stride at the barrel. Whether you help them rate or they do it on their own is the biggest thing. You only want to have two strides of rate and two strides around each barrel. Um, you know, and, and that is the key to know your horse's style, what size pocket, what size arc is going to allow them to be the best they can be. So, um, so that's how you shave off a half a second. So, whether it's the 3D, the 4D, whatever, just make sure you're only getting two strides of rate, right, two strides around each barrel, and, um, and you're, you're using your real estate the best way possible. You're getting that fire out of your turns, you're getting that snap in your turns, and that's how we shave a half a second. Final words, and I'm going to close because I've been talking an hour. Um, again, with every new speed, you may have to adjust your timing as to where you rate your horse until they get more confident. New speeds, the horse can lose their turns until they get more comfortable if you rate at the same spot. So you may have to rate just a hair earlier. There's a lot of speeds between a lope and a dead run. Education with speed is key for you and your horse. If you have a great foundation started from the walk-up, it should they should transition easily in time. Remember it can take a trainer who has trained many horses a full year To get them running at their top level. It could take you longer several years It does not count for seasoning different arenas ground conditions a em- emotional and mental game That's just for the mechanics. So never give up be patient and remember it is a journey that it is the journey that is the reward um I think we can always learn something from everyone we meet and every horse we ride so i'm always eager to teach learn and ride um well i'm not riding as much now but again i'll be riding again someday so hip surgery to come so anyhow um thank you guys for tuning in to this week's uh uh video excuse me q a and um thank you again for tuning in and as always Um, God bless, ride with heart, and thank you for making my two-year anniversary um, just a great thing. I, I really love my virtual coaching group, and I'm just really happy to be a part of your journey. So thank you for that.